This is recording number 10826 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the 17th message in the Outpouring series by Randy Bolt. It was recorded on Sunday morning, July 19, 2009. This message is titled, When Darkness Falls. going to continue our current study of the book of Acts uh, called The Outpouring. And we have been uh, taking a nearly verse-by-verse view of this book that describes for us what the early church was like, what primitive, raw Christianity was like. And as we read these examples and the record that Uh, The physician, Luke, was writing about the things that happened in those early days following Christ's resurrection and ascension when the church was born. They are thrilling, exciting, and, um, and sometimes they're perplexing and they're almost always challenging because we take a look at our lives, our Christian experience, we take a look at, you know, what, uh, what our, our church looks like and we think, wow, there, there's some resemblance, but boy, we seem to not. We seem to be a long way from what we read about in the Book of Acts. And I don't mean that in a condem- condemning way, in, in any way at all. I just mean to say that that's the reason that the Book of Acts is in the Bible. It's to kind of bring, get, capture our thinking about what Jesus intended His church to be life, uh, like, and the Christian life to be about. And so that's why we're taking the time that we, we are in this book. And I've asked you to turn to Acts chapter 16, verses 19 through 20, because we're going to pick up where we left off uh, be, uh, two weeks ago before I was on vacation. We spent two weeks on just uh, three verses that had to do with, a, if you'll remember, uh, when Paul was in Philippi and, and uh, his encounter with a woman who was captivated or uh, under the um, influence of or held by a spirit of divination. And um, we took two weeks to deal with that, and I'm, so I'm not going to give you any more review than that. But I will show you this little map here that just kind of gives us, again, uh, the geography of where Paul is at uh, on his second missionary journey as we pick up the story He's way up there in Philippi in Greece. All right, verse 19 of Acts chapter 16. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, and remember, I'll just pause there and say, remember, Paul had been dealing with a woman just prior to this. He had dealt with a woman who was held by a spirit of divination, a slave woman who was bringing her owners, her master's income by fortune-telling and the like. And now that she has been set free from this spirit and undoubtedly converted to Jesus Christ, she is of no use to them anymore, and they're really upset about it. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or to observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes 
Paul's, Silas's, and those who were with him, they oversaw the tearing off of their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, we don't know how many, but one I think would be plenty, (laughs) only it says many stripes were laid upon them. I'm old enough to remember some years ago when there was a huge international uproar over the fact that there was going to be a young man in Singapore caned for violating the law. Some of you might remember that. And the cry around the world was how barbaric can people be to beat somebody with a rod? That's what Paul and Silas and his entourage are facing here. They've been beaten with rods. Had their their clothes torn from them. Verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Clothes torn off, beaten with rods, thrown into prison, And they commanded the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he, the jailer, put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Clothes torn off, beaten with rods, thrown into the inner prison. Their feet are in stocks. Then 25. But at midnight. And now, on top of everything else, it's midnight. So I want to talk to you today about when darkness falls. I hope you are never beaten with rods. (laughs) I hope you never have your feet placed in stocks. But I know what it's like to feel like the darkness has closed in. And it ain't fun. Anybody else in the room ever feel that way? I want you to think with me about John chapter 16, verse 33. It's on the screen now. It says, these things I have spoken to you. Jesus is speaking. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. We don't like to think about it, but you know, because we often refer to the promises of God, the thousands of promises of God in the Bible, and we cling to them, and hallelujah, I love the promises of God. This is one. <laughs> in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So I guess the short Shortcut to the end of this message is that when darkness falls, be of good cheer because he has overcome uh, the world. But I've prepared longer notes than that, so if you'll hang out with me, I'll do a little more preaching. When darkness falls, here's what happens. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now listen, and let me just be completely honest with you. I know you probably think that when I'm going through, well, you probably don't think I ever go through any difficult things because I'm such a saint, right? But those of you who know a little better than that, you probably, you, some of you may think that when I go through difficult things, I'm such a powerful man of faith that I would do as Paul and Silas did and just worship God. Uh, the fact of the matter is I, I, I usually 
am ticked off with God <laughs> when I'm going through difficult things. But the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Why? Because it changes the atmosphere. When I am surrounded by the darkness of tribulation, when I lift my voice and my heart to praise God, there's something dark dispelling about worship. It's like turning the lights on. It changes the atmosphere. But dear one, it is always a sacrifice. You know, when we come here in the, uh, on Sunday mornings and lift our voices to God, um, there are times when uh, people come, come to, the, to our service in, in a dark, desperate place. And when I or someone else stands up here and encourages you, invites you to lift your voice in praise to God, I know it's not your first inclination. I know it requires something of you to step up and open your mouth, raise your hands, and let fly with the gratitude and thanksgiving of God that you may not even be feeling at the moment. But when you do, when you offer that sacrifice of praise to God, it begins to transform things. We'll read about that in a minute. But that is such an important thing. Offering the sacrifice of praise. I remember one time, I don't remember the circumstances because it was a long time ago and my memory is not nearly what it once was. <laughs> but it was many years ago. I, it was when, I can remember where I was living so I know it was uh, in the first few years of my marriage to Sue. But um, uh, something bad was going on because I was really upset, frustrated, uh, angry, and truth be told, ticked off with God. And I, I arranged to be alone for a few minutes, and I went to our bedroom, and I went in there specifically to chew God out. I'm not exaggerating. I'm just, you know, for the sake of telling you a story, I went in there to just let God have it. How could you do this to me? How could you let this happen to me? Don't you know how, my, how I'm trying my best to serve you and, and all that? You sh this, should not, this kind of stuff shouldn't happen to me. That, that was what I went in there to say. And I went in there to lift my voice, not in praise, but in anger. And here's what happened. Uh, I... I <laughs> I can't take any credit for this whatsoever, so I'm, I'm not sure why um, God was gracious to me in this way, but he, he would not let me get those angry words out of my mouth. I, I went in there and I said, God, you are good. Wait a minute, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean to say that. God, I am so in love with you. I could not get those angry words out of my mouth. And I found myself saying things that were true about God. And in those moments, I realized the things that I was going, I had planned to say to God were not true. I mean, they were consistent with what I was feeling, but they were not true about God or my circumstances. And when I let uh, that sacrifice of praise flow from my mouth... It began to transform 
the circumstances. It began to transform my heart. It began to transform how I felt. And as I said, ultimately to transform the circumstances that were causing my frustrations because I started to communicate to myself, to the world around me, what was true about God and offering him a sacrifice of praise. I wish that I was perfect in this and I'm not perfect in anything so it goes without saying I'm not perfect in this but I want to encourage you to remember Paul's and Silas's testimony stripped, beaten, in prison their feet in stocks middle of the night the darkest part of the night and they sing praise to God. The only gift that you and I have to offer God is our praise. Think about it. I mean, we offer God our talents. Hallelujah, please do that. But you realize He gave you those talents. We offer God our time. Hallelujah, please do that. But you know, God gave you that. We offer God out of our money. Hallelujah. Please do that. But God gave that to you. The only thing we really have of our own to offer God, the only thing we have that he hasn't first given us is our worship. And that comes in many forms. Obedience, uh, devotion, uh, praise. But worship is the only gift we really have to give God and watch what happens. The prisoners were listening to them. People are watching how we respond to life's troubles. It says there that the other prisoners were listening to them. It was such an odd thing. Can you imagine what goes on? I mean, some of you know without having to imagine, but some of us have to imagine what goes on in a prison. And likely what goes on in prison with these prisoners was not people praising God. And so when they heard these men who had done nothing wrong, by the way, and were in prison worshiping God, it captured their attention. And you know what? All around us, there are people watching how we respond to life. You, we claim to be a Christian. And hallelujah, um, God does do you know, he, he blesses us in so many ways and, and uh, it, it's just, a, you know, following God is a, a wonderful thing. But you know, what people are really watching is not so much how God helps you with your family, how God, you know, um, frees you from your uh, bondages and, you know, bad habits and things like that, how God uh, restores your finances and things like that, all of that. People are taking note of this, but what they're really watching is what happens, what you do when life ain't so good. Because they, just like you and me, go through tough times and they want to know what does this Christian faith of yours have to do with real life? And so when we, in the midst of life's struggles, choose to offer to God the sacrifice of praise, it's powerful. It's powerful. 
um, verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Uh, there's several things I want to say about this, but the first, of, the first is that notice this miracle that God does um, is not just for Paul and Silas. Everyone's chains get loosed. And when we bear the testimony of the Lord Jesus in the midst of dark seasons, it has a powerful potential to uh, change many lives. And, and, and so it's really, again, even more significant that you and I who are followers in Christ or more important that you and I as followers of Christ, when we face difficult times, that we don't succumb to uh, self-pity, to anger, to frustration, but instead offer the sacrifice of praise. Now, the other thing I want to, for you to um, take note of in this uh, begins at verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors opened, supposed the prisoners had fled, uh, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Uh, his life was on the line. If he did not uh, make sure that these men were properly um, secured through their imprisonment and delivered unto the magistrates whenever it was they wanted to, to hear the case, they would be, his life, the, the prison keeper's life, would, be, would have to be forfeited in exchange uh, for theirs if they escaped. So he hear that there's this earthquake and he's, he sees the gates are open. He's certain the prisoners have escaped. And so he's ready to take his own life rather than be uh, punished with death. But, verse 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your whole household or and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. When you go through difficult or challenging uh, trials in your life, you're going to come to a point, as a Christian anyway, you're going to come to a point where you have a choice to make about your comfort or the kingdom of God. Here's what I mean by that. So, Paul and Silas, they... They worship God. They offer the sacrifice of praise. And God responds with this earthquake that breaks the chains, opens the gates. They are free to go. But they don't. And the result of their not going is that the jailer and his whole household are saved. When you go through challenges and trials as a Christian you will come to a point where you have the opportunity to leave, to escape, to get out of the trial. But you want to be careful at that point. You want to make sure 
for the kingdom of God's sake that you don't prematurely choose to escape from a trial because there's, you want to make sure that God has completed what he's doing in you and through you in the circumstances. I remember the first time I saw a Pixar movie. It was uh, Toy Story. That I almost missed the um, outtakes at the end of the movie. Because the credits start the roll. And you think, oh, it's over. I'm dragging my empty popcorn you know, box to the garbage. And, and then there's more. And when we're going through trials as a Christian... Watch for this. Think back over the course of your, li- your, your, your experience, your life's experience. You know this is true. There will come a point when you'll be able to exit. You'll be able to exit the trial. Be careful because you may miss something. Paul and Silas could have gone free, gone on with their missionary journey, done great things for the Lord, but a jailer and his household would not have been saved. It's at that moment that you make a choice about your own comfort or the kingdom. And Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things shall be added to you. I remember, um, and I've told parts of this story before, so I, I apologize if you've heard some of it, but it was a season in our lives when we were um, uh, preparing to, to plant or pioneer a new church. And we had, uh, it was a time of intense financial struggle for us uh, because I was trying to find a way to support ourselves while we were preparing a team, uh, for a church planting team and getting the church off the ground and everything. And it was very, very challenging, very, a, a serious trial to us uh, emotionally, financially, a lot of different ways. I finally um, got a job, and uh, uh, a decent job, and uh, I, you know, we were making progress of digging ourselves out of the financial hole we were in, and a lot of things good were beginning to happen. And um, I remember, it's very subtle, but I remember reaching a point where I felt like, you know, Things are going pretty good right now. I could just make this my career. And I'm sure, you know, I felt almost like, almost like it was God saying, whatever you choose is going to be okay with me. I'm going to love you no matter what. And I, 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 had, gotten an, I had gotten an accounting job that I, I didn't deserve, didn't have the, the skills or or uh, education form or for, but I was giving. I, I was having much favor with my employers, and I could have stayed. I could have made a career of that. And I remember that moment when I thought, you know, this. I could exit this trial right now, because everything is, the gates have opened. But um, I just felt a hesitation. I felt like, no, there's there's more. There's something more. And uh, so I did not choose to do that. And I, I hung, you know, just hung in there. It's hard, so hard to explain these things that are, they're, they're so subjective. But 
But I just knew that I was to wait this out. And I'm so, you know, obviously grateful that I did. But it just reads, my, my choosing the kingdom over my own comfort um, resulted not only in great things God being able to do in my own life, but in many others as well. And is, in some ways, the reason why I'm, I'm standing before you today. This is not something that you can really prepare, prepare for, but it's really, really important. And Paul's and Silas's example here in this passage is there for a reason. Mark my words. Try to remember what I'm saying to you today. Because there will come a time when you are making your way through a, a challenging period or trial in your life and, it will, and the gates will open, the chains will come off and you will be tempted then. And I don't mean tempted in a sinful way, but you'll be, there will be a choice to make. Should I go for my comfort now? Or shall I wait this through, hang in here with God and just make sure that he is finished with me? And finished with what he's doing. Just mark my words about that. One more verse of scripture I want to remind you of in this regard is Romans 8, 20, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Make sure that you let God finish his good intentions for you as you make your way through, through trials. So offer the sacrifice of praise. Choose the kingdom over comfort. And then finally, exercise the authority gain. Let's, uh, let's pick up um, uh, the story again at verse uh, 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent to the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, uh, Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid. Now who's afraid? They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. When we uh, have completed a season of challenge or trial in our life, you'll come to this place where there has been some authority gained. Every time we um, push back on the, on the kingdom of darkness's attempts to snuff out our flame. You following me so far? You understand what I'm saying? And that, that's really what these trials are, are and testing, uh, testings are about. It's an attempt to see if we can put out our flame. And when we push back, there is authority gained. The contrary, sadly, is true when we succumb to temptation and fall back into that, you know, 
uh, give place to that uh, self-pity and anger and frustration with God and all that stuff. Authority is gained over us. You don't want that. But when we push back on that and uh, resist that temptation, there is authority gained over our adversaries. And uh, sometimes we are just so thankful that, the, that you know, the time of being unemployed is over with. We're just so thankful that this sickness that came upon us has been, is done and we've been healed. That, that, that we're so grateful that you know, the relationship that has been strained is now in good shape. We're so grateful to be done with the trial that we really forget the purpose of it. God is using trials in our lives to shape more of him in us and to allow us to experience what it is to gain authority in this life in his name over our adversaries. And Paul demonstrates this in a remarkable way. They come to him and they say, uh, in the morning the jailer says, well, hey, I've heard that the magistrates want to let you go. Thank you so much for leading me to Christ, Paul. Uh, But you're a free man. And Paul says, heck no. Those guys put us here in prison without cause, beat us, stripped us, put our feet in stocks and stuff, and now they're just going to let us go? No way. They need to come here and grovel. They need to come here and, and themselves personally apologize. You know, there is a... Um, I'm, I'm not in the, in the least suggesting that we engage in the folly of some sort of human effort to battle with uh, Satan or demons. But in the spirit, when God has allowed us to be triumphant in trial, we gain authority over our adversary that we need to take to him. In Revelation... Uh, verse 12, 11, it says this, and they overcame him, they being the followers of Christ, overcame him being the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, that's something only Jesus could offer, and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. Two weapons are, rep- are, are spoken of there. In regard to the defeat of the adversary, one, only Jesus can offer his blood. Two, yours and my testimony. And whenever you come through a period of trial or challenge or difficulty in your life and you come through that triumphant in Jesus, you have a testimony. You have a story. A story of God's faithfulness, a story of God's provision, a story of God's love and power and wisdom. And that testimony, dear one, is powerful. And don't make the mistake of being so happy the trial is over that you just carry on with life. Take that weapon and use it. There are people around you who need to know that God can be faithful in trials. When it seems like the darkness is going to snuff out your life, your light, they need to know God can be counted on in them in those situations. And you are living proof. You realize that as a, uh, 
A minister, for instance, just, just, you know, in my position as being a pastor. The good, any good that I am able to do or any uh, blessing that I'm able to offer to other people, uh, does n- none of that comes from my um, uh, ecclesiastical uh, experience. None of it comes, ecclesi- uh, ecclesia is the Greek word for church. I'm sorry to throw that word out there. It's, it doesn't come from my church experience. It doesn't come from my seminary training. I figured this out a long time ago. The, re, the only good that I really do for people is when I can offer them my testimony. I will, I'll show them the word of God and then I'll say, and I have found that to be true. And that is helpful to people. That is a powerful weapon against the forces of darkness. And every time you make your way through a period of trial, the day is coming when God is going to allow you to use that testimony, to take the battle to the adversary and to see others helped by it. 